0: guys, welcome back to Off the Water. We are live here tonight at the Backpacker in Baton Rouge. we got a special show for you guys tonight. We've got Brendan Bayard and Clayton Schilling are going to be doing a presentation about Paddlepalooza this year. They're going to be providing us with some great tips and tactics for fishing. If we're lucky, maybe we can question them about some places to fish uh, with this weather being here in May, the tournament being in May, and with the uh, weather uh, forecasted here. We're also going to be having Brock Miller on shortly to announce some of the prizes. This is uh, certainly going to be an interesting show tonight. We don't have anything scripted. We've got a number of people here. We're going to be announcing the uh, first place and the second place prizes, uh, grand prizes for the tournament, and get some pictures. We're also going to have a video recording later on to get a little bit better view uh, that we'll be posting. It won't be tonight, but it'll be in the uh, the next couple of days. So, Uh, Looking forward to the show tonight, looking forward to hearing uh, from Brendan and Clayton, see what kind of stuff they have going on tonight. Um, Again, we're in front of uh, actually a live studio audience tonight. This is a first for us, Tyler. So, and and Tyler's actually not on screen tonight. I keep forgetting he's hiding in the background, Uh, but we have a live studio audience tonight. Uh, We're going to be having some questions, some Q&As. Certainly, if you have some questions, maybe you want to ask Brendan or Clayton, if you can put it up there, I will see if we can get to them and ask them online. So, what I'm going to be doing shortly is I'm going to be turning the camera around, focusing on Clayton and Brendan. I'm going to go silent for once. You won't hear me for the next hour as we get over to Brendan and Clayton. So, kind of give you a little shot tonight. What's going on? We actually have uh, some Papa John's pizza delivered. There's a few cold beverages, and everybody's having a good time. So, you guys ready? Brendan, Clayton, y'all ready to go? Yeah. We're bulking up the crowd here. So, um, I'm gonna going to make it look real good for you guys out there and, and and land. So, you know, it's nice for everybody out there and maybe a Lafayette, New Orleans, uh, Lake Charles that couldn't make the tournament but want to come down and fish it. So right now I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Clayton and Brendan Bayard. Uh, Brendan's a uh, past champion of uh, Paddlepalooza and Fallen Tide. Clayton certainly has won his fair share of tournaments, including most recently Minimalist Challenge. So we're going to switch it over to them right now, and we'll see. check back with you here shortly.
1: Welcome back, Mr. Brendan Bayard. Hey, how's it going? All right. Uh, Guys, thanks for coming out. Uh, We have our big, biggest tournament of the year
2: coming up Uh, this weekend. I think we have 225 people-ish registered. We usually draw about
3: 270. Uh, Thanks for opportunity to come to talk. Even though this is the 10 year anniversary of when I won this tournament, so I'm a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit old. Uh, so, it takes all this information with a grain of salt. You know, there's no hard, fast little of pitching. Uh, we just kind of uh, do our, uh, you know, it's a probability game. Basically, when you prefish, you try to figure out your best probabilities, be it uh, this is a place where I can concentrate. Eyes of the fish. Oh, yeah. It's oh, all. Um, I like to think about it like okay. uh, mathematics, really, with your fishing. Uh, these kind of baits give me a higher chance probability to get a, a bigger trout. These type of baits, this kind of presentation gives me
1: a higher. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm want to that do it as, right now. Doesn't always work, but as you say, as you have a
2: great okay. you You kind of build the repertoire. In,
1: Kind comes together like uh, like a plan. How how would you describe yeah. longer that your bait is in the water, the better chance you're going to have it against the fish. I mean, if you kind of uh, you know look at an area and break it down, how you're going to you know strategically uh, attack that area fan cast move, fan cast move, <laughs> and then
4: if you are, you know, say you stick a redfish and he's, you know, six foot out from the bank and then you work a little ways and you notice that happens
1: again, well,
4: it looks like that's, you know, you, you're kind of keying in on a pattern there. And, uh, and so then begin to work that pattern. And, and uh, I think your probability goes up with that. Like Brennan saying, you know, it's all kind of approaching it uh, in a way that best gives you a chance for success and looking for patterns and and really kind of reading the water for that day and trying to, trying to pick up on some type of pattern because it, it changes. And I call it reading the water like when I'm out. I mean, you, you know, you can go pre-fish and you can have a plan and then you get out there and conditions have changed. And it's just kind of don't just get stagnant and just stick with one thing that you kind of always feel comfortable doing. You kind of change it up and, and try to key
3: in
1: on something that,
3: you know, that works. And some of the best pre-fishing days I've had have been the worst fishing days. Uh, What I mean by that is I've tried several areas pre-fishing, and they all kind of more or less stank. So I weeded those areas out, and therefore that next time put me in kind of a desperation mode. I kind of thought outside the box. I went to some areas I hadn't otherwise considered, and that ended up making the difference. So a good a bad day of pre-fishing sometimes is a blessing in disguise. So I mean, I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me where you, you fish in the tournament blind, but sometimes that's better than going back to what, you know, wasn't producing.
4: Yeah. I mean, you have a tendency to, you know, you, you go into your memory and recall all these different spots that you've caught something. And it's real, it's hard not to want to go back and try to repeat that, but you gotta, you gotta be flexible. And, uh, and just know, like, I mean, you obviously want to be in an area that the fish are in. But don't just, you know, always go to that one point or that one oyster bed. Kind of keep your mind open and say, well, you know, it's just not happening here. You don't want to spend too much time. I and mean, time management's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, especially when you're targeting different species. And, uh, you know, and also think about that game plan. I mean, you know, if you catch a, a seven-pound redfish, and you spend three or four hours trying to upgrade him to an 8-pound redfish, you, you may have done better, you know, upgrading a 12-inch flounder to a 15 or, or whatever, you know, the case is, trout, you know, you might have a better option of upgrading a pound-and-a-half trout to a 3-pound trout, you know. And so kind of look at all that and kind of put a game plan together. Okay, I'm going to fish from this time to here, targeting this, and if I don't get this, then where am I going from there? And Just kind of have a plan before you hit the
1: water.
3: In order of importance on different uh, conditions, I would say that as long as you have some clean water, you have some hope. If you're fishing like dirty water, that's kind of when I start to think about moving. Wind direction plays into that, but if I'm in a, in a windward area where there's a lot of swells and waves, but it's still clean, I kind of actually have a lot of success in places like that. The fish tend to notice you in their area less. You tend to fish catch fish closer to the boat. Uh, they're just kind of in the whirling dervish. They don't notice you in like you're in some really calm lake where you have to kind of make those, you know, hundred yard casts and, and kind of really be on your cast game. Uh, I mean in rough conditions, as long as water's clean, I think you have a really good chance. And I would almost encourage trying that sometimes if it's if it's not uncomfortable to fish. I mean certainly you don't want to be in the surf, you know, riding you know, right before a, a breaking wave almost where you're like catching your breath every time. You're like, oh, I'm drifting a little too close. That could be disastrous. But if you're in a, a you know, windward side of a, a big bay, this time of year, a lot of times I find my redfish, especially in the spring, when the bait is small. It's just hatching. You have a lot of pogies this big. You have a lot of shrimp that are two inches. That windward bank pushes all that bait against that bank. And if you throw on that bank, you're usually – uh, finding bigger redfish in the ponds, the other side, not so much. So, uh, you know, try that windward side. I don't think we have a lot of wind scheduled this weekend, but uh, in the past at Powell Blues, that's made a difference for me.
4: So, what would you say, like no more than 12 miles per hour? Or, I mean, would you fish a windward side at 20 miles per hour? I mean,
3: I've gone out to Elmer's Island when it was 25 miles an hour and it was literally breaking on one yeah. bank and the redfish were piled up. Yes. Yeah. Like every other cast. Yeah. It's just you never yeah. know. And and it was because the bay was really clear. There was a lot of incoming water from the Gulf. It was all clean, clear water. It was breaking. There was a bunch of little shrimp and pogies and those reds were just moshing in it. Like literally every other cast was a redfish. So yeah. as long as it's clear, you yeah, okay.
4: know, go for it. Not that we're gonna have 25
1: mile an hour wind.
3: No, I don't think so. No, of
2: course not. <laughs> it,
3: it's possible. Yeah. Uh, other conditions, uh, you know, the other conditions, of course, are moving water. You want some sort of moving water. Uh, being in Louisiana, uh, you know, we don't have big tide swings, so the wind pretty much almost always overrides what our natural tide tendency could be from the moon. Uh, if It's not very strong. Uh, if you have a southerly wind, you're going to have incoming tide. If you have a northerly wind, it's going to be outgoing. Um, if you have a mild tide, the wind certainly going to play a bigger issue. If you have tide and wind against each other, you're going to have bigger swells. That's going to create rougher conditions. Um, you know, certainly choke points like the uh, the passes and bigger bay uh, entrances and bayous. Those are all going to create their own tidal systems comparatively to like step ponds. So if you're at a low tide time of day, you might want to switch to a bigger choke point area. I like to hop around spots a lot. I don't know about you. Uh, I might hop spots at like Paddle Palooza, you know, sometimes like 12 times, 12 times, maybe five times. I don't like the spot hop, but
4: necessary.
3: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> being being the nature of the beast, this is a uh, a tournament where you're trying to catch your biggest slot red, your biggest trout, and your biggest flounder. Your, I like to think about my uh, strategy for fishing Calipuza as breaking down my favorite spots that are within reasonable distance for those particular species. So, like, I find a trout spot that's no more than two miles from the from the bank that i have real consistency catching like an 18-inch trout. And if I go there and I catch an 18-inch trout right off the bat, might give it 30 more minutes to see if I can upgrade, but that's pretty good. I mean, I could spend Eight more hours, maybe catch a 20-inch trout, but that's
1: not what we're here to do. We're here to right. catch a, a decent trout, a big red, and a flounder of any size, really.
3: Uh, if you look at the numbers, the last few years, I think there have only been, you know, maybe five or ten slams caught. If you catch a flounder, you're basically guaranteed if you catch the other two to place. Hmm. So, I mean, think about that flounder as like a $500 fish. I mean, fish for it hard. That's what you really want to fish. Extra money fish, I would almost say that's the most important fish if if it is. Yeah. I mean your redfish certainly anchors your weight if you want to be in the winning, the top three but the flounder, I mean if you don't have the flounder I mean you're just playing for the other individual fish
1: places. You
4: know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah you definitely want to have a strategy to to go out and look for all three species but and I mean this year I'm seeing a lot of reports of flounder being caught. I think that uh, we're going to have a very flounder heavy catch this year so it could be a little different so you may have to really think about getting that big trout and getting that big red which kind of is cool because I mean that's the whole you know purpose is really put together that that perfect (coughs) slam um but yeah I mean one year I I caught a flounder and a trout early and could not catch a redfish I mean and that happens you know I fished fish for seven hours just trying. yeah I think the redfish is a gimme you know most days you get out and get that just needed one but uh that didn't happen so I mean you know, but that's the fun of this. I mean, is is uh, and you know, is really trying to target each one of those species and and, uh, and get it put together. We got uh, Mr. Todd Lewis in the back, so here. he's got a question.
1: Answer?
4: It was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, competition, it, it obviously has its moments of frustration. Uh, but, you know, I usually reflect back on the tournament in better light than on that day whenever I've had a frustrating day like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I enjoy about a slam tournament is the, uh, you know, putting that plan together and trying to go out there and execute it. And sometimes it works out. And sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I
3: remember the, uh, the tournament that Tommy won the, for, to, for a trip to go to World Hobie World. And I went out to my big trout spot. I was like, oh, it's
1: foggy. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I got out there, throwing top water and talking to my buddy,
3: catching things, kind of slug. No, no, I didn't catch anything.
1: And then, boom,
3: he catches one. It's like, 20 inches. Sweet. <laughs> and then, boom, he catches one. 23 is the I was like, I'm leaving. I'm like, Ugh. frustrated, frustrated. And then the next cast, I caught like a 25 and a half inch oh, wow. trout. So I was like, yes, I'm winning. And then I couldn't catch a time. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. going for that big trout, I mean, it's kind of sexy. You know, you catch the big trout. In my mind, I mean, like the big trout is like, Thing that I try for every um, slam tournament, but yeah. it's time to rethink those things. <clears throat> Me especially when you see all these fish come in and it's like eight pound red, nine
2: pound red, nine pound red, and I'm like, oh, I walk up. <laughs>
3: Yeah. you know, I don't have a chance with that anymore. So uh, you know, I've I've kind of adjusted my strategy on the lower end of trout nowadays. Uh, I think there's just so much competition now with, you know, upwards of almost 300 people you have to compete against. The red is where your weight comes from, not the trout. Um, You know, if you can get, you know, five, six-inch, six-pound red, that's pretty decent. You don't have to really worry at that point, but it sure would be nice to have an eight, seven-and-a-half-pound red. And then uh, the flounder, of course, is, uh, you know, really what you want to pre-fish for which you want to know where they're at. You want to have backups for your flounder spots. You want to have backups for your backup flounder spots. You want to have backups for your backups for your backup flounder spots. And just really like hone in all the information you can so you can really jump around and just give it
1: your all for those three species.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I know, and we'll probably field some questions here in a little bit, and I know there's probably a lot of guys (laughs) who, like, who haven't, I mean, I'm sure there's some who haven't caught a flounder. I've got a couple of friends yet. we got some guys here. So, and it, it's kind of, you know, gives you get flounder anxiety, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so, and, uh, and I mean, there is a way to target them, but I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, a lot of times you just kind of get lucky fishing for redfish or trout and just kind of happen to stick one. Um, and they'll, they'll hit a variety of baits. I mean, you know, you got your, your percentages, I'm sure are better if you're fishing slow and on the bottom, but, uh, I've been surprised sometimes. And, and, as soon as the bait hits the water, flounders on, they are agile too. They just kind of, you know, stick to the bottom for the most part. But, uh, I don't know, you want to
1: open it up for some questions and kind of, uh, I mean, let's, I want to break it down first, uh, just kind of going over
3: the general uh, realm of Patapalooza and the boundary. So just in case, uh, most of you guys have probably fished it. Just to go over, you know, for the viewers at home. And So we have really starting up north is basins and whatever they call it these days. Uh, What is it? Gators. Gators. Okay, so gators, I mean, so you really have the sulfur mine, you have uh, lots of pristine redfish marsh, you still have trout up there, you know, flounder have definitely come from there. Winters have come from there. Uh, but, you know, grassy areas, clear water, you know, typically, you know, those, that's the place where you're gonna get those eight, even nine pound reds. If you have a place where you can get in and get one quick, certainly not uh-huh. a bad option to start up there. You're talking about uh, using more traditional redfish based, maybe weedless baits, Texas rigged uh, plastics, Spoons, uh, top waters above the submerged grass, corks. I mean, really, uh, it's a great place to sight fish. Uh, if you get into some skinny water with some, uh, some calmer winds uh, in the middle of the day, um, I don't know if we're going to have any sun this weekend. We might be rained out, but uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of success with it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. Right? Yeah. Uh, and every once in a while, when we have uh, bigger, uh, or, I mean, earlier. Cattlepaloozas, the trout are really still up there in force. Might be hard to get them this time of year. I'm sure you can catch a few. I don't think they're going to be there in the numbers that they are in March and April. So, well. the next, uh, Golden, Golden Meadow, Meadow, a very, very, very popular spot. Lots of winters come from Golden Meadow. Uh, you have really some of the similar areas from uh, gators. It's hard for me to even say that. <laughs> Gator <laughs> basins. <laughs> and uh so some of that surrounding uh marsh of, of catfish lake. Uh, you can even do like a float plan where you and your buddy, like one person parks at uh gators <laughs> and one person drops a truck at, at Golden Meadow or vice versa, and you can you know traverse that uh you know eight miles or so and fish along the way. You have a lot of time at this tournament with the land being at four. So uh, I think it's, you know, a good opportunity to do some of those kind of longer trips. Uh, the lake is certainly, I've had a lot of success with flounder in the lake. Uh, I've had a lot of people that have come over from out of town, just, you know, never experienced the, the fishery, have launched and caught slams in uh, Catfish Lake. Nice trout are there pretty much all year long. I'm sure there's nice trout in there right now. Uh big redfish as well. Maybe not quite as consistent as, as, uh, basins, but you know, definitely lots of big reds come out of there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about the fish? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I love golden
4: Meadow. that's a great spot. I feel like you could do all three species there, uh, this time of year. I, you know, I, I haven't been out recently, uh, not too recent. Uh, but I still believe that there are trout in there. Like you said, I feel like there's some resident trout that kind of stick around all year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a great area. If you got you got some some depth, you know, and um, you've got everything. You've got your marsh, you got your ponds, you got open water, you got oyster reefs. You have a lot of variety than if you were going to, uh, you know, let's say gators. Uh, it's mostly going to be, you know, ponds and, and grass and, um, you know, more of a redfish spot, I would think. But, uh, you know, moving a little further south, you start to kind of ride down Bayou Lafouche. Lots of areas uh, you can put in on the side of the road. Um, I've caught lots of fish just right in the main bayou itself. Uh, there are lots of little hidden oyster reefs along the edges there. Um, they're floundering there now. They're trout in there now. And, and I've seen some really good reds just running along the main banks of Bayou Lafourche. Um, and sometimes, you know, if, if you're fishing the ponds and that just doesn't seem to be working out, maybe back off and start fishing those edges for some reason they've moved out of there and they are on that, that main bayou there. Uh, and then you run that all the way down to Leeville, Leeville. I mean, a lot of people are super familiar with, uh, a lot of great fishing, a lot of variety there. Uh, tons of rock piles, you know, um, oyster reefs, you know, for your trout, lots of marsh for reds. I mean, uh, you know, that's one great thing about this, this event is you, 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 I mean, it's a lot of people, but there's a lot of areas to fish and a lot of variety. And uh, and I know, like, you can drive yourself nuts thinking about all the all the places. And, um, I mean, just kind of do your homework the best you can. And if you get a chance to go down there and pre-fish, a lot of times, like, what I'll do is is try to eliminate water. I'll go pre-fish a couple spots that are kind of like plan B spots for me just to make sure that, like, I don't get over there and it's on fire. And then... You know, I might would change my mind, but I kind of have my spot that I'm going to, but I'm going to just kind of rule these places out, and, uh, you know, you get there and you catch a your flounder, you're probably going to go back, you know, but, uh, you know, so Leeville down, and you start to get down this to... is
3: so big, I mean, yeah. it's like, that's kind of why we have minimalist challenge here. We can literally have the whole field of 300 people fish Leeville, and it wouldn't really be a problem. I mean, you can... Think about Lebo as uh, four quadrants with the Bayou and the Southwest, Southeast Canal, and you can go pretty much any direction, Northeast, Southwest, and not run into anybody if you paddle far enough, and I mean, you can fish that place 20 times a year and never fish the same place. Lots of area to spread out in, uh, especially if you're willing to paddle, you know, three miles or so. Uh, (coughs) Some of the best days of fishing down L.A. 1. I've had, personally, have been in the Leeville area. Uh, yeah. Talk about a great place to catch a big resident trout. Uh, I mean, you hear kind of, you know, um, as as far as trout fishermen go, uh, I mean, you have the beach, which gives up really big fish, you know, this time of year, May especially, um, and then also Leeville. Those two areas, I think, yeah. if you would argue with any trout fishermen, they would say those places give up the biggest trout. So, I mean, if you could, I'm not saying you should focus on big trout, but if you ran into an eight pound red and a flounder at 8 a.m., might would be a good place to check out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I
4: mean, one of the, the biggest trout I caught last year was 60 yards from my truck in Leeville on an oyster reef third cast. Like, didn't have to work hard at all. It's a place that you see people wade fishing all the time. And you're calling, man. This gets a lot of pressure, but it was first thing in the morning. You know, everything's kind of calmed down overnight, and I think that's kind of key for those real close areas. You want to be the first guy in there. You know, getting getting to uh, kind of pick off that first big fish first thing before you kind of stir things up. But uh,
1: where exactly it, is this
4: room? It's in <laughs> Leeville. Yeah, it's in Leeville. You can see the bridge.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of you know I, I normally try to target trout first thing in the morning and I look for a spot like that that I can get to and be the first guy there, and uh, and hopefully you catch you know catch one uh, who's just kind of been comfortable overnight and hanging out and ready to eat.
3: Now from Leeville South you have a slew of combat launches that that extend from the Leeville Bridge all the way down Old LA One, uh, which is basically it's a fishing road nowadays. I mean, nobody really uses it except people bank fishing and launching kayaks. So, I mean, it's a safe place to bring kids. You don't really have a lot of roadside traffic like you used to when I first started fishing. uh, Now with the elevated uh, uh, highway there over the marsh, um, you can really go, you can use that road to your advantage when you have wind. If there's like a lot of east wind, uh, you know, maybe you want to fish on the west side, on the protected side, If there's a really low tide uh, on one side, a lot of times the other side of the road is maybe like a foot higher. So if you're having some frustration maybe on the west side, look on the other side of the road. Hey, I got a little bit of depth here. My hobie fins aren't dragging in the mud so much. I'm going to go fish over here. And that changes your whole day. Um, When you get further down, uh, you can go towards uh, Towards Fouchon. And there's the public launch over there. I think you can still launch underneath where the bridge used to be to go to the Fushan Beach. That can give you access to Bell Pass. That's a really, really good spot this time of year. If you're looking for that beach kind of experience and you want to get away from the crowds that are going to be at Grand Isle, you can launch there, maybe give yourself about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, depending on how yeah. fast you paddle. You can get out to those Bell Pass uh, rocks fish uh, the armpits the beach the inside rocks the jetty uh there's marshes on on the way down i mean it's a great little spot uh, i've caught a lot of fish out there i think there's all three species out there really i mean uh, if you fished out there you could definitely catch flounder oh, and, yeah, and trout.
4: Absolutely. yeah i mean that that's kind of a main artery coming in in that general area so if a flounder's coming in somewhere around there he's coming up through there and i mean this is the time of year and caught several out there um and i mean normally this term it's a little earlier so it's, it's a little a little tougher but i think like i said i think this year it's going really to be surprising what we're going to see come in yeah um it's a long paddle so i mean you know i mean long
1: if you're willing, fairly long if you're willing to um, do it you
4: yeah. get
3: rewarded with less pressure around you,
4: you right might, you know, less guys like out there more
1: people out there but
4: but, yeah, you, you know, you're limiting yourself to how many other spots you can going to get to. I mean, some guys in the past, they fish off the road and stuff and uh, and really just kind of bounced around a lot. I don't do 12 spots for sure, but maybe two or three in a day. Uh, I'll have my kids with me this year, so I don't know how this is going to work. But uh, maybe one spot. So, But, yeah, I mean, they'll pass. So, and then you've got some spots along uh, – you know, along the Fushan Road running all the way down there, there's a couple spots to drop in. I would say mostly, um, well, you got the flotation canal area, probably some trout spots in there, deeper water on the left hand side. There's a few spots you can get in and fish for some redfish.
1: The um,
3: water tower area with some redfish. Yeah. Fish. You yeah. get over to Bayou Monroe, uh, that's right across from the caution light. That artery takes you to yeah. the beach that has some redfish, trout. Uh, then the old, uh, roadside pits, the telephone pole, Oklahoma pit, all those, that all that bank that goes down towards the three bridges area mm-hmm. where Thunder Bayou and Elmer's bridge are lots of, uh, lots of good marsh to get into. Watch the, watch the owners over there. Some places are a little yeah. bit more, uh, protective than others. Aggressive. Uh, you know, there's, you know, every year it becomes a bigger battle where, yeah. uh, there's more and more reasons to buy a camouflage kayak. <laughs> uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah. And then, uh, um, and once you get to Grand Isle, you know you have uh, you can launch uh, right there at Bridgeside, Fish uh, Elmer's. You can drive down to Elmer's, and uh, I don't think you can drive on the actual beach itself, but you can get to the beach. And then, um, if the surf isn't too bad, you can launch there and paddle either in the bay or on the surf side and get to know, any way on the beach you want to go,
4: um, and you can always launch at Bridge Side and paddle across. Not a yeah, not a terribly long paddle if it's not like shorter, crazy conditions or something. You yeah, have all the rock jetties in front of Grand Isle. You have the backside of Grand Isle with the uh, Kristen uh, Ray
3: launch over there at Wildlife Fisheries. You have um, over there at Sand Dollar where you a lot of the IFA. Guys like to launch for the bull race and give you access to uh, Grand Terre, which is, you know, a mile across Barataria Pass. Do not try that if it's uh, really uh, rough conditions. That's uh, probably a really dangerous, one of the most dangerous spots to kayak besides Bell Pass with a heavy boat traffic. Yeah. Uh, You know, good to have a buddy. Yeah. If you're not
4: experienced,
3: I wouldn't uh, try that. Those are yeah. Kind of the, that's kind
4: of the breakdown of yeah. areas. I'd say Grand Isle. I mean, I really feel like anywhere from Golden Meadow to the island, you've got a chance to put together a slant this time of year. So, and I've seen reports from all, Flounder all the way from north to south. So, it can happen anywhere along that that whole corridor. So. Uh, The islands, you know, it's kind of a special place. Always, always enjoy fishing Grand Isle, just because it's it's very different than anything else, you know, north of there. Um, And uh, I mean, you could, yeah, you could definitely do it from there, just staying on the island. So, uh, I mean, I I expect the fishing is going to be good as long as we don't get any like crazy weather. So uh, give me
3: give me three baits
1: that you're going to catch three baits all three of your your various species.
4: I mean, I, uh, my various species. So, I mean, I'll start with a, uh, you know, a top water. Um, I guess we can show because some people might not, uh, might not know what we're talking about. So in the morning time, I mean, I'll fish a, a top, some type of top water, um, for trout, just because it's fun and it's cool when a, a big trout blows up on it. But, uh, and, you know, and there's also some, some thinking that big bait, big fish, uh, like to work that in the morning, but once, once I've done that and a lot of times, you know, you start getting some bites where, uh, oh, we want to hold that out there. Um, you know, once, once, sometimes you might get a couple hits on this and they're just kind of swiping at it. They're not really committing to it. So maybe a, uh, a Twitch style type bait, a suspending Twitch bait, or, or maybe even a jig or, or whatever, but uh, as far as baits go, I mean, if you're new to the new to the sport, you know, or this is kind of your first time going out, you can always go with the live bait option because that is an option for this tournament. But I would say a simple jig, you know, jig head, uh, soft plastic. I'm always going to have a chartreuse tail in there unless the water's like super clear. I like something that's got some light, something that's got some dark. And kind of cover all aspects, you know, so I kind of get something to transition, um, you know, from the water. But um, probably my number one go-to is going to be the chicken on the chain color. You know, is that got some light, got some dark, um, still kind of natural looking. But hey, we got that tail, you know, get some attention. And what I love about fishing jigs is, you know, depending on what size weight, I can cover any any part of the water column. <laughs> You will catch flounder. You will catch trout. You will catch redfish, all on this one bait. Uh, and then, you know, most people know I'm a big spinnerbait fisherman. And in fact, the biggest flounder I've caught have been on spinnerbait. People are like, "You fish flounder, spinnerbait flounder," but yeah, and uh, and a lot of times when they hit it, they hit it, and it's uh, and you don't have to worry about all that counting and all that stuff. They're just on there, and I like that. And so. Uh, so I just rig it up. You know, you can buy these, these spinners like this. Um, you can find them at Academy, you can find them at Superior Tackle, you know, any, any of the, uh, tackle shops You might have to kind of hunt. Um, and I, and I build them myself. You know, I, I typically use a one eighth ounce jig head.
3: I use those smaller ones just cause I don't like to uh, have like a five pound drag on the end of my.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I have a different uh, opinion on that, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I, this I, I use a number five blade, unless it's like super calm, um, super clear, like very calm conditions. But I like I like I like it like it's a disco coming through the water. I want that redfish to go. What's what's happening? And then you know he knows it's coming before he even sees it, and uh, and having ready to go when it gets there. But yeah, number five, number four blade is typically what I use. But those three baits—I mean, I'm starting with top water, and then I'm going to jigs and spinner baits. And I've caught all three species on spinner baits. I'm a big fan of the spinner bait. Uh, you know, if things are real slow, uh, you know, I may may switch to some gulp, put some of that, out, try to get that scent. The little—I don't have any with me, but the gulp uh, chartreuse. You know, the little swimming mullet, which we all, I'm sure, have in our bags, uh, and uh, that's a great go-to flounder bait as well. Put a little light jig head, sixteenth ounce or one eighth ounce, and just kind of bounce that across the bottom, and uh, and hopefully get lucky and and, and land the big flaty. hmm
3: Uh, just like Clay. Tell me about your baits, Okay. Uh, I like bring like a million different top waters because uh, well, if, if I throw it, if I, if I throw it a spot and I get some action, I don't want to throw back with the same exact top water because a lot of times I've, I've thrown the same topwater for the same fish, and as soon as I change topwater with a different presentation, like maybe something quieter, something bigger, something smaller, I get the bite. It's almost like he's like, oh, I saw that. Give me, And then you kind of surprise him a little bit. Uh, kind of same thing goes with letting a spot rest where you get a bite. You don't want to keep pounding that same spot, so you go away from it for 10 minutes, and then you come back and he's ready to go again. If you miss a really nice fish, kind of mentally mark that area. Maybe leave, maybe try a different bait, but don't give up on that fish. Come back, uh, try it again.
2: I have a couple
3: of different topwaters that I'll try this time of year. I mean, the skidder walk is pretty much a medium sound. It's not too loud. It's not too quiet. If I want something louder, I'll go with the she-dog. Uh, if I want something quieter I go with the traditional um, mirror lore.
5: Now this is kind
3: of a, a lore that I bring out during shrimp season, <laughs> the ghost walker. What I like about the ghost walker
4: is the pretty, name, you like the name.
3: Man. It's really not very, uh, it's not very assertive. It's really quiet and when shrimp are popping, they're just, you'll notice them, they're just kind yeah. of basically, Flickering. this one barely just, does a little dance on the water but it's filled with liquid so it hangs really low in the water so fish don't miss it but it's uh it's really subtle i can cast it a really far distance which i really like uh and it kind of mimics those shrimp this time of year uh, i'm usually fishing either really small pogies or shrimp or trout so this one does really well for me if i'm just covering distance and i don't want to get noticed maybe something like this but if i'm working actual bait this Um, A lot of times, if this time of year, if if the topwater is not doing it for me, or I'm getting kind of slapped at it, you know, I could go with a a myrodine or a slash style bait, rip bait, uh, you know, something like this. This kind of just hangs in the water, kind of dances, makes a lot of flash, a lot of vibration, doesn't sink particularly low, stays at the top of the water column. And so it's still kind of presented like a topwater, but it's just a lot more natural, the fish really don't hesitate uh, on trying to eat it. Um, kind of like what you would do with a, a miradine, but it's just a little bit more natural, a little bit more realistic. Um, these don't cast as well as mirodynes. That's the only problem, so you really want a real light rod that loads very well, some light lines, something, not crappy light, but I mean, something on the lighter end of the saltwater spectrum where you can really
5: fling it out.
3: Uh, I just have a variety of those lures. I have all these big tackle boxes up here. I'm probably gonna pick three out of here, put them in kind of my go bag tackle box for the day, if you will, so I don't have to carry all this. Uh, Really, once I see the water conditions for the day, where I'm fishing, I'll make my assessment of what I want to collectively grab from all this gear. It helps me focus on a few baits so I'm not changing all day long. And it, uh, it kind of just gives me some few baits to focus on so I'm not constantly changing because I have a tendency to... Yeah, you just, definitely be overwhelmed by bait choices, obviously.
4: Uh, Fishing minimalist has helped me with that. You know, uh, you go out and catch a limit of every species with one bait. I mean, and so, um, you know, that's part of the fun is the bait, you know, picking out yeah. your stuff and executing with that. But just know that, I mean...
3: And when all else fails, this time of year, the smallest voodoo shrimp ever gets beat. You throw this thing. I mean, if you need a trout and you're going to (laughs) die, throw this thing. And you can throw it pretty much anywhere and you'll catch a trout. I don't like to use it unless I'm desperate because you're wasting time pulling off 12, 13-inch trout. But
4: If you need a trout.
3: If you need it. it's Yeah.
4: He said something a while ago about making long cast. Uh, I, you know that's important too. You know, the further out you can put that bait, the more fish you're gonna, you know, approach. And I mean, those big fish don't get big from being caught right next to the boat. I mean, you will catch them
1: right next to the boat,
4: but you know, I always like to think, man, the further I can put it out there, the less disturbed the area is going to be. You know, a better chance
1: you have of, of sticking a good fish. Any.
3: Uh, any questions? Any anything we talked about? I know we're just kind of rambling through all this stuff uh, pretty quickly, but I just wanted to uh, give you a chance in case uh, you know
1: anything. Is, is it true that catching a lot of flounder illegal right now? <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard.
4: Somebody said, "Tell them to use their man voices."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Come see me at the tournament.
2: <laughs> all right,
4: guys.
0: Some, sometimes you have to use a, a cork or popping cork just because the fish don't want top water. What type of bait do you normally like to use if you have to go switch
3: over to a popping cork? I always use shrimp imitations. Uh, it's just it's always worked for me. I know a lot of people use like a light jig head with a gulp or something on there. I just yeah. I just like the real slow flutter of a, a nice shrimp, a uh, DOA or a, a Voodoo or a gulp shrimp.
4: Yeah, same thing here. A DOA voodoo or and i also like to buy um I, I call them flutter hooks it's just like a hook that has almost like the little ribs like um the death grip jig heads have and and just you can switch out different gulp baits on there and uh yeah, yeah it has just very small weight and uh but mostly hook and, and kind of switch out you know shrimp imitations or whatever gulp i want to put on there and it, it gives you the ability to change without having to cut off and retie, you know, because you start losing that leader on your on your popping cork. But uh, voodoo, DOA. And so this is one of the
0: few tournaments we get to use live bait for, and there's a number of different kinds of live bait out there. Right now you can get um, probably crab, shrimp, cotton, crab. meadows, sometimes you get crab, <laughs> uh, broker. Well, for this particular tournament, this time of year, what would be your your recommended live feed? Not crap.
1: <laughs> 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 well, throwing we'll out catch that flounder and that crack crab. I mean, maybe for
0: catching the or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, what, what say between minnows, croaker, and live shrimp?
1: What, what do you think is your your recommendation?
3: Your I recommendation? mean, minnows. I mean, since flounder are so important, I mean, you can't go wrong with minnows. I mean, I know that might not be what the the, the reds and the trout are feeding on that day, but I mean. I guarantee you, like, flounder always feed on minnows. I mean, if if you see minnows in an area, a bank, I mean, I would fish there for flounder. I mean, that's, like, such an indicator for flounder, and you can keep them alive with the greatest of ease comparatively to other baits. You know, pogey being the hardest, where, you know, you need the pogey saver, and you need to put ice in the water, and you need a round bucket. I mean, this ends up being a job. You know, by the end of the time that you're fishing with Kogi, whereas like cockos, I mean, you can like get a coffee can, you put them in there, you can leave them, forget about them, go eat lunch,
1: come back to your kayak, they're Wake still up, there. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I love I love fishing with cockos. So.
4: I mean, live shrimp. I, I mean, I I carry dead shrimp sometimes just just because. Uh, if it's the fishing, you know, you see reds and your are and they are just not interested.
3: dead shrimp on the bottom, bro.
4: Yeah, dead <laughs> shrimp on the bottom. But, I I mean, I'll have my boys with me. I'll have sure. some dead shrimp caught floundering. You know, you can catch trout on dead I mean, you know, um, yes, so yeah. yeah, you can catch catfish, i you know, sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, um, tacos and shrimp. You know, that would be my...
3: <clears throat> now, if You can get some Kroger which it's really hard to find croaker this time of year, unless you catch them yourself. A few places might have them. If you want to go to like the piers or the bridges the night before and use some like little squid on some little perch hooks and catch yourself some nice little, little slightly smaller than hand sized croaker and you get out to the beach and you free line those babies this time of year. I mean, you're going to catch a two pound trout. I mean, I, I almost guarantee it. I don't want to say that in case somebody gets mad and does it. I did what you said. I almost guarantee if you put a live croaker on the beach and you spend an hour there, I mean, or you might catch a four-foot stinger, or you might catch a four-foot stinger. But I mean, croaker this time of year are what is targeted on the beach by those big trout. I think you're going to catch one if you do that. They're kind of a pain. They're probably like second pain in the butt to keep alive, just because you only want about you know five or six. Luckily, you don't have to have a round bucket. You can just do like a flow troll kind of bucket. Uh, I, w- I would just carry, you know, half a dozen, you know, eight of them, uh, you know. Heck, I mean, even throw one behind you, fish top water while that thing goes. I mean, there's no rule against two lines in the water this time uh, for this tournament. I mean, that's that goes for any,
4: any he's bait. He's because
3: he's done it. Any bait you want to do at this tournament. you can, I know so many people. <laughs> Like throw a minnow behind them and just just go along, not a care in the world, and all of a sudden,
4: I caught a shark last year like that.
3: Yeah. So so there is
0: a question from the audience: How deep are you working artificial baits for trout? I mean,
3: it just depends on on what kind of depth you're fishing in. But I'm usually fishing in depth for big trout (coughs) of less than three foot of water. If I'm in a and if, if I'm in a bigger body of water, like let's say I'm fishing like Bayou LaFouche, I'm throwing it on the bank, but then I'm pulling it off. So I might technically be in deeper water at some point. Probably catching my fish on the edge. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm fishing the beach, I'm fishing the first trough of the sand. You know, occasionally when the when the crowds show up, it kind of pushes the the trout off the beach a little bit. And like midday, you might you know be in five six foot of water. Are you going to want some heavier baits? But, I mean, usually light baits, first thing in the morning, can't go wrong. I would, uh, I would always fish towards the top of the water column or shallower at the beginning yeah. for the first two hours. And that, I mean,
4: that depends on the temperature, you know, what's going on. But for this tournament, this time of year, I would say, yeah, three foot of the sweet spot. Or, I mean, we don't have an extreme temperature either way,
3: you know. It's going to be hot. When it's above, oh, above, not when it's above uh, you know,
1: 55,
3: tot,
4: you're hot
1: when you're fishing all day long.
4: <laughs> we have some other questions or any questions here.
1: Uh, here's I brought
3: a couple of uh, just things I wanted to show. Uh, these lithium batteries. If you guys are fishing with depth finders or power poles or any of that stuff, these lithium batteries are so light nowadays, and they have a longer life cycle. If you, uh, instead of buying, like, the lead-acid batteries for, you know, $30, $40, these are, like, maybe 100 $120. Bucks. It's a new sponsor, too. Okay, yeah. So, these guys are sponsoring this year. I've had this battery for six years, and it's still kicking ass. I mean, talk about a bargain. It's a family shit. Okay. It's still <laughs> kicking butt. Kicking ace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a 10-amp battery. This is a 10-amp battery, both... You know, working really good. I got two, two depth finders, that's why I have both of them, uh, for two different boats. Um, but if you're uh, looking for something to invest in to improve your fishing, I mean, you don't need a depth finder, of course, but if you're fishing for, you know, in the past, if you're fishing structure, like a bridge or something, it's always nice to have, and you're fishing deeper water in the winter, you can see, like, where the trout are, if they're on the bottom, if they're suspended. Uh, you can see bait. I mean, some of these depth finders, you can dial them in so you can see actually like the, the ball of bait going and then you see the arcs at the bottom of the ball and you're like, okay, those those trout are feeding on this ball of bait, probably like shiners or something like that. And then you can adjust your bait to like maybe a tandem double rig and get down there. A lot of different things that help uh, when you
1: use a depth finder.
4: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had to give somebody advice, you know, somebody who's new going out, uh, I would say, you know, get some intel, talk to people that night. Kind of, you're gonna hear some people talking. Come up to me, come up to Brennan. Like, we're not, no, seriously, Sean, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you like some crazy wild goose chase, and uh, we'll give you some advice on, on areas. <laughs> you had to get up on that one. Some areas to uh, to kind of go to, and when you get to there, I always tell like people who are going out. And this is new to them. Fish, fish, was look, looks interesting, you know? So, um, you know, don't just go out in the middle of the lake and just throw there. Although sometimes that might be the deal, but start out by, Oh, okay. There's a, a little Island out there, or we've got a, a point and the water's coming around, you know, look for things that are different. And those fish are, you know, they are looking for somewhere that they can set up to ambush bait and, um, and so just kind of, just kind of look at it and, and think, you know, try to think like the fish, if I, if I was here, where you know, what, where you know, they're going to be where the bait is finding shelter. And they're going to kind of be feeding off of that. And just try to kind of put that stuff together. Uh, and just, I mean, really keep casting. I mean, I always tell guys that just, just keep on because all of a sudden things can change. You just start picking up fish in an area that you might've been in, you know, earlier that day, well, something changed. The tide turned around, you know, or, or whatever it is, and they start to feed. And you know, if you if you give up at some point during the day, then you know, obviously, you're going to miss that opportunity. And so, always just keep casting. I mean, there's been lots of times, tournaments, that the last hour is when it happened. You know, and uh, if you give up and you stop, you know, then so just you just gotta gotta always believe that that it's gonna. What's that man voice? Always believe that that's going to happen, you know, and uh, and keep casting. So uh-huh.
1: sometimes you miss it. Uh, counter reds and have to get back out. In yeah,
4: yeah, and you, and you, you keep casting. With the, uh, that's right. The
1: solar lunar bite tables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one of the questions on the, the live page was talking about salinity in the marshes and the bays. So you want to talk about that a
3: little bit? I don't think that's going to be an issue unless you're fishing like. uh, let's say by LaFouche, right after a rain.
1: You know, I don't think there's going to be any
3: drainage problems. Are you going to inundate an area with fresh water uh, before this tournament? It doesn't look like there's going to be too many deluges this week. So,
1: uh, yeah. so from Basin's all the way to Grand Isle, no
3: issues? I don't think so. I mean, if you're, if there's a lot of rain and, and we end up getting eight inches of rain, you might want to stay away from the road on LA1. You know, if it's if you just see like water pump, uh, you know, pumping down by Lafouche, I mean, yeah. But I mean, other than that, there's not going to be like a real kind of problem with it. We uh, shouldn't have that. And if you're fishing up north, you're probably there for big reds. <coughs> They're not going to mind it. Uh, I just I don't see it being an issue at all. Uh, the solar lunar bite table for this weekend. They have a minor. Uh, I think it's at five thirty to seven thirty, which is in the morning. So you'll have the minor first thing, and then the major, which is going to be like eleven thirty to one thirty. So if fishing is not so good, don't give up before one thirty, because well, you know lunchtime. Don't take a big lunch. This is like going to be when the fish bite. So I mean, yeah. and I, you know, I wasn't a believer in this until I started night fishing a lot, and you'll go out there at night and. There's no rhyme or reason for it. It's like new moon. There's nothing out there. You're fishing, you're fishing, you're fishing. It's like, okay, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, that, that major hits, and you start seeing things start flicking around, bait moving. You start catching fish. You're like, what is going on? Why did, why did it change? And I don't know. I mean, the moon is underneath you directly. I don't know why that matters. It matters to the fish. I don't try to argue with it. Just pay attention yeah. to it. And uh, notice for yourself, it usually probably matters more for, you know, bass and trout and those kind of fish. Uh, I don't think it hurts, you know, redfish and
1: flounder and all that stuff as well, but I, I really do notice it with the trout for the, the majors and minors. We have a, a question from Mark Eubanks. What about
0: what about water height, south winds for three days, how will it affect the water levels?
3: I mean, south wind at five miles, Six an, miles hour? an hour, that's not going to affect me. I mean, it'd have to be like above 15 for it really to hold the water above the low tide fallback. We shouldn't have any low water, though. I don't think not so. Not with south winds. No. 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 So his base on spot will be... <laughs> yeah. <badly. laughs> uh. <laughs> ask, ask, ask mark where he's fishing
4: yeah. um, speaking of bass songs talking about red gators. fishing gators. gators speaking of gators talking about redfish, and i'm telling y'all what baits i bring uh so if you end up in an area that's heavy in grass you're going to want to have some options so I, I mean i always have a spoon with me and i'll have like maybe like a fluke type floor, something that I can rig weedless. Brennan apparently uses a frog at Gators. I have um, this in
3: my box
1: for just the occasion. For just
4: that occasion. So because it
1: like it's never been
4: used. Yeah. Because uh, you can I mean you could be real frustrated if you show up somewhere and you don't have anything in your box to even throw in a big grass mat. You know, you, you
1: only catch one with a frog,
4: Sean. You've uh you know you've done the work to launch and get out there and everything. So make sure you have something to fish weedless uh, spoon it's an easy one, you know, uh,
1: and they
3: they love the spoon. Yeah, and, so, uh, and uh, can't say enough about big redfish up there. If you you want to, you have a really good flounder spotter. If you have confidence in catching a flounder and trout, if you want to really swing for the fences. I mean, that's the place to catch those giant giant redfish. So, uh, good plan if you can take care of business on the other two fish.
4: Yeah. Mark said he's fishing bass songs.
0: Is it true they're catching a lot of big redfish illegal right now?
3: <laughs> I can't say. Because um. you can't say or you can't <laughs> say. I don't <no>, know. <laughs> I haven't heard about the redfish
1: illegal specifically.
4: Yeah. I mean everybody wants to know like your your spots, you know, and everybody wants to, to know right? the spot and where, where are the fish at and you think it's real specific. And I mean we all have our little... I
3: mean, I have like five spots between Grand Isle and Leeville that I can launch off the side of the road and catch a red if I need to. And that's kind of where I like to fish. I mean, that's not giving you exact locations, but I mean, that's giving you a pretty big area. Yeah. And I just have learned that area over time, so I know if there's a south wind, I can go on this side of the road. If there's a north wind, I can go on this side of the road. If it's high, I can go over here. If it's low, I can go over here. I just kind of like have found a, you know, a handful of little I wouldn't call them honey holes. I would just call them options of what to try, uh, you know, whenever I need something, uh, you know, when it gets to that point where it's, you know, mid-morning lunchtime and you're you're trying to make your last few moves to finish your bag. Yeah. You know, you pr- probably want to make sure you have given a shot at all three species before lunchtime. I mean, if you're waiting until after – you know, 1 p.m. to start focusing on your red. I mean, I, I think I think that's kind of uh, a
1: little risky.
0: Yeah.
3: You know.
0: Brendan, that's a good question.
3: Um, Is there a particular
0: order that y'all try to go after your fish to target which one first, or, or especially this
3: time of year and day? Historically, I always try to go with trout first, just because I think it's the most time sensitive bite for the size. I don't necessarily think that's the exact rule to follow for paddle palooza, where the winning weight could be 11 pounds and nine of those pounds could come from a redfish. So if you have, you know, last year, what, what won like 10 and a half pounds. It yeah. might've been a little low year, but I mean, how many times, has, how many times has less than 11 pounds won paddle palooza? Well, I would say like probably more than half the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. At least more than half the time. So if you think about the fact that more than half the time, 11 pounds is one. You can say, okay, if I have an awesome redfish spot that gives me a seven and a half, let's say a seven and a half at worst, like if I'm catching like tons of 26s and, you know, whatever. One of those is going to be right under 27. It's going to give me seven pounds, seven (coughs) and a quarter. Okay, now I need a flounder. Let's just call it a pound. And then that leaves, what, what do you need to get to that winning weight? Like Two-pound trial? I don't know. I mean, not much. I mean, maybe an 18-inch trout. That's not really something that you have to devote your morning to. I mean, if you went on the beach with a Kroger, I'm not saying you're guaranteed to catch one, but I'm saying you're pretty much guaranteed to catch one.
4: Yeah, I mean, starting with a big red is obviously a, a good foundation. I mean, if you
3: have a big red on. to start with, I mean, weight is off your shoulders. I mean, you can you can duck around to a million different spots, you know, throw in trash piles for flounder and throw big bays and reefs and beaches for a for an 18 inch trout for the rest of the day. I think that's a that's a great strategy. I don't know. I've never really had the success that way, but maybe that's why I'm <laughs> losing nowadays. <laughs> Are there any places on the side of the
2: road where you're not allowed to put? Kayaking.
3: Yes. There's plenty of spaces like that.
2: Yeah. Um, typically, like for example, Homer's Island—it's all, it's all part, right? You can you can do it anywhere on that. Road. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you can
3: launch anywhere yeah. there. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. much all everywhere that there's a camp on Old LA One, you're going to want to not launch within a hundred yards of that camp. You know, that's on, where
2: where the water's going underneath and all that.
3: Where it's, where the bridges are, you can certainly launch there.
2: Um, you know, the bridges you, on, the, on the Grand Isle side, they put a lot of rocks where it used to be easier. You know, yeah. To yeah. The rocks. yeah, it's a little bit harder
3: now. Um, and then they have, like where you used to be able to launch at the radio tower, and they have that big rope that goes, up. Uh, you know, basically a lot of people used to wade fish there in the winter, and it would be ridiculous. And I don't understand why they did that, because you'd have all these carloads of people come out, And there'd be like shoulder to shoulder people casting in that pit. And you're like, man, that's just nuts. I mean, so, I mean, when when people take advantage of it and just kind of overfish it and there's like family picnics at somebody's land, (laughs) yeah, I could see them shutting it down. Uh, I mean, (laughs) one or two packs where you're moving and not hanging in a hole all day long and inviting all your friends, probably not gonna have any problems, uh, you know. And, you know, certainly if you see any gates, any signs, you don't want to go there. Um, we don't have as many problems here as we do, like, at Fallen uh, Tide, where there's a lot of, you know, gate access, you know, like, hey, this this pumping station's closed, you need a key, or any kind of weird stuff like that. So, I mean, for the most part, I think you'll be safe anywhere, uh, anywhere that I can really think of. Um, yeah, I feel like you kind of know.
4: If you're launching an area that's kind of iffy, and there's normally signs or there's a
1: gate. I don't think it's like a, a big deal if you get run out of a place. No, but like you don't want you get to get, get asked to leave. leave. Yeah. It's
3: yeah, your own risk. You pay a, if you pay a trespassing ticket that's on you, that's not part of the it's not part of our duty to
2: yeah, the only, the only
1: thing I was told by a local police was make sure your vehicle's facing the mm, Yeah. What's up? If you're facing water polygram. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: don't ask about trespass. Yeah.
4: I will I mean, tell you, if you go to like say you go to Bell Pass and and you get on the beach there, I've been run off
3: of that beach before. Really? They'll come out, yeah,
4: they'll come out
3: and, and run you so out I'll of there. They're doing BP cleanup. No, no.
4: Um, but I mean, if you're in your kayak, there's not much thing to do. But I beached it and it was just kind of surf fishing.
1: This car came out of nowhere and was like, "Hey, you got to get off the land." So one of the launches for the legal area. Bobby Lynn South is going private, right? But Uh, he is going to have a launch for us. I'm going to meet with him on Thursday. So at the captain's meeting Friday night, we'll be able to explain if you want to launch in that area, exactly where you need to launch from. But Bobby, we didn't have an honor box over there. Well, that's at the boat launch and it's privatized now just for his, uh, residents at the RV park. There's going to be a spot closer to (coughs) one that we'll be able to launch from. And I'll have that information for the captain's meeting Friday night. Yeah. I mean, you can launch at BBY Marina, which is,
3: not far from to there. the south. To the south of yeah. I mean and they, they yards, it's five bucks and yeah. you launch right there and you don't even have to worry about it itself. So, so, so he, it's he's so gonna
1: have
2: a kayak launch specifically for us. So that's something we're working on. What about what about the like, when we looked at the old map and it mentioned the Texaco on old highway one. Yeah. It'd be like north of that is mm-hmm. that open yeah.
3: yeah yeah that's open. That's that's uh one of the most public areas uh,
2: Really? it looked like there was cars, but you know, when you look at Google
3: Earth, it looks like it's oh, yeah. got business. That's old LA-1. There's basically, you know, there's there's working docks along that road yeah. where there's, you know, workboats and stuff like that loading. And as long as you're not in their actual yard, which is usually fenced, and you're launching either between those yards or, at a, you know, an empty piece of bank or at the legal public launch, uh, you know, you can access all that area. All right, guys. Uh, I think we've uh, given everybody enough uh, info to uh, at least have some success.
2: Uh, I don't know. Uh, so, where would you go if it uh, poured down rain Poured down, down rain. rain? I, don't I don't think it's going to
3: matter. I don't think the rain is going to matter. Uh, you know, it's it's really the comfort level of the fishermen. We had the same rain situation at championship this year. Uh, I mean, not a fish championship. Okay. Well, I mean. It's, it's more or less the wind issue and the, the dirtying water that, that ends up affecting the fishing. It's just you being uncomfortable in your jacket and yeah. not wanting to cast as much is really going to be the issue. If you're comfortable just being in a swimsuit and a, a ray jacket and just fishing all day and getting wet. The fish you know, are wet. Fine. So yeah. They're cool with it. it, it as, long as, as long as it's
4: not like crazy changing the water color. Or crazy wind, you know, they'll still bite. I mean, got call, typical
1: as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
4: this one's not so far. I don't think it's set up
1: for that. So, yeah. All right.
3: Well, yeah. I, I mean, I like I like a little bit of uh, overcast skies. It keeps the sun off of you all day. I mean, keeps the wind keeping that keeps off. the top water bite going all day long. I think. I mean, 90 to 90% rain chance in Louisiana is like it's going to rain at some point during the day, but not necessarily for 90% of the day. So I think it'd probably be some popcorn showers, and you'll have some times where you're like, no, this sucks, and then sometimes you'll be like, all right. And then yeah. like, I always have weather, uh, like radar apps yeah, to pull up, and saying. I'm like, okay, I probably want to make my move right now. Yeah. So
2: what's your response when you hear like?
3: Uh, lightning is. You can't say
4: that on it. Oh, like, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, yeah, check. You know, check your radar. It happens. We've all been caught.
1: You know, in the lightning.
4: My response is, I put my oh, rods down and get out of there. I mean,
1: we have a. Um, you want to explain the brethren rule? That's made for those situations. Yeah, which it's... has to do with lightning.
3: Have
1: a lightning weather Oh yeah to be launched.
4: Yeah, so you have to if, if say the weather's so bad that you want to get off the water and it's the safest thing to do, then you can launch the kayak out of the pickup truck and touching the water is constituted launch, right? And so and then you can fish it's is it a hundred yards, hundred feet, hundred feet from that launched kayak? I
3: have a kayak in here just for that occasion,
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we would all ride down the road and see Brendan's kayak in his truck, and it's a kayak tournament, Brendan. <laughs> and so, we, uh, we had to come up with something to uh, is that the year you want it? I think the weather was real bad,
1: the
3: year. He, He's
1: choking
3: up. up a the year I won, I paddled to Elmer's Island against forty mile an hour winds to get to Elmers Island to catch a flounder. That's when the gate was closed, you cannot drive down the road. That's when there was like a cut through the levee, kind of where there's a yeah. whole fold. I don't know if I mean if you guys remember like two thousand eight. I mean that was like a long time ago. Two thousand nine. I mean It's so different now, but it used to be the most awesome little area. The marsh would drain through this cut and then it would go to the beach through all this maze of little islands. And I mean, it was just flounder paradise. And to get there, you really had to like paddle two miles. Mm -hmm. And what was that day, just straight wind. I did that. I got my flounder after fishing for two hours because it was so windy. It was hard to get your, your lure down to the bottom. Then I got up, and then I remember me and Ben Roussel fishing one of those pipes on the side of the road. And I caught a trout, he caught a trout, he just kept catching trout. We're like, this is awesome. And so I got a trout, and then I just started hopping around looking for reds. And the water at that point was so high that it was like over the road. Like we would have to walk to a ditch, like just like a little ditch. And, and you didn't know if you were gonna step in the ditch because. There was floating grass. The wind was so high, it was knocking dead grass, and it was floating like, a, like almost like a bass pond. And so I remember throwing my bait in, a, in a, just like a little ditch. Not that you would ever launch there, but the water was so high, it was kind of big. And so I threw, and I was reeling it back to my feet. And like about three feet in front of me, there was like just floating reeds. And when I got there, that red came under the reeds. He was right by my feet the whole time I was fishing, but he came out and ate it right there. And then he pulled it directly under a down power line and then so i had to put my rod down so he would go underneath the power line and not break off it was i still vividly remember that fish to this day it's awesome (laughs)
1: cool all right
2: anything else no no thank you thanks for coming out
0: Guys, we're going to uh, give us just a minute. We're going to reposition and uh, we're going to have Brock with the backpacker show us uh, the grand prize, as first and second uh, prize for Patapalooza. So give us just a second
1: while we set up.
5: So this year for Patapalooza, we decided to do something, something a little bit different. Um, instead of just giving a stock kayak, we're actually doing a couple of uh, tricked out boats. So for second place see behind me we're doing a 2019 compass with the drive upgrade and a bunch of accessories It'll be about three thousand dollars so pretty sweet rig we won't have to worry about selling it right after it's a really cool boat just to fish off of um then for first place the grand prize
0: what type of accessories you got? oh actually on
5: on the compass doing an h crate um also have a marine mat in here as well busy carbon pro we'll throw in a couple of rod holders as well so it's gonna be a pretty sweet rig ready to go on the water um, and then for first place, the grand prize, if you come over here, <clears throat> we'll be doing a uh, slate blue 2019 Outback. We have a interior marine mat on it, which looks came out pretty sweet. Also it'll have a power pole in the back. Um, really nice, out, really nice rig, brand new Outback. Everybody's been super pumped up about it. It'll be about a four thousand dollar boat, totally rigged out. So really excited. Hope y'all really like it.
0: All right, Brock. Thanks a lot again. We appreciate the backpacker, uh, donating these items to, uh, paddle palooza. This is going to be a great tournament. Um, the prizes are going to be great having a fully rigged outback and, um, compass, uh, for second place kayak. So, uh, sorry for some of the technical difficulties tonight. We are, uh, doing this live from backpacker. So any event, we're going to see you guys out there this weekend. Um, I think at last count we are up to over 220 people, uh, registered, uh, 228 now. Uh, is What I'm hearing from Eric Stacy. So we've got uh, hoping to hit 250 for the tournament this year. I think I saw a 10th place prize in the slam category was going to be about $500. Is that right? About 475, $500, something like that. So that's and that's 10th place. First place obviously brand new Outback. Second place uh, brand new Compass. Uh, third place thousand dollar gift card to the Backpacker. I think fourth place is $800 cash. So a lot of lot of money, a lot of prizes at stake uh, this weekend. It's going to be a great time. We hope to see you all down there. Uh, just to note, we are going to be recording the weigh-in this year so uh, and airing some of this stuff at Off the Water next week, uh, the following show. So good chance to come out there, come out there for the captain's meeting, help us stuff some captain's bags, enjoy some uh, some pastalaya by the little rascals. Yeah, also need a fish uh,
2: fire
1: Saturday.
0: Yeah, we need some fish fires for Saturday. So if you want to volunteer, we can certainly use some some help. Uh line managers as well. So if you want to help out, get out there uh, Saturday, Friday night, and uh, certainly Sunday morning when we do some cleanup. So we look forward to seeing you guys out there. Have fun and uh, be safe pre-fishing. We'll see you guys out there Friday and Saturday.